and welcome to Batman, the podcast. I'm your host, Bat, I mean, Bruce Wayne, your number one Batman fan. And we're here to dive in deep to all the secrets of Batman that have been revealed so far based on sources in the city of Gotham City. <laughs> and the surrounding area and as always uh we have my co-host my trusty servant alfred what's up alfred hey spencer how's it, how's it going tonight you mean bruce i'm bruce, bruce sorry bruce how's it going tonight i'm good i'm doing good i just wanted to talk about you know today's episode is all about batman's nemesis the joker the j-man What's his name? No one knows. Well, some people know, depending on which continuity it is, but I don't understand multiple universes because I am not the world's greatest detective. I am instead just a guy with a lot of money and a podcast because when you have a lot of money, you can do a podcast. And when you don't have a lot of money, you can do a podcast. (laughs) Most people can do a podcast. Most people shouldn't do a podcast. And this is their stories this is a podcast that shouldn't exist but it did it happened that happened that happens that was a joke i'm not bruce wayne kevin did i fool you you know you two look so much alike sometimes i get you confused anyway so this was kind of an evil trick you played on me tonight yeah i'm kind of a joker myself a master of the evil tricks um i have a flower on my lapel that squirts poison i don't know Sometimes it squirts acid. Sometimes I think it just squirts water because you're like, oh, the Joker must be up to something sick. He must have some sort of nerve agent in there. And then he squirts you with water and you're like, ah, ah, wait a minute. Nothing's happening. And he's like, gotcha, bitch. And then he like shoots you with a gun or something. Um, anyway, well, that's all I've prepared. So we're kind of, we're kind of out. That was, that was a great show. Yeah, that was pretty good. What's up with you, man? How's it going? Ah, uh, but I'm pretty good actually. You know, kind oh, of yeah. Kind of miss the crazy back and forth of going to LA and back. You know, like I have been the last few months. Um, I've been here, and it's it's kind of weird. I've been I've been here. I've been home. It's been crazy. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, the holidays. You getting into the holidays spirit? You uh, putting up any decorations? You uh, did uh, get by? Have you bought any gifts yet? I haven't done too much yet. I, I don't know. I'm kind of procrastinating this year because usually I will go way too far in advance and like buy stuff for people like, you know, before, uh, uh, let's say before Halloween, even some years, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just, I'm, I've put an end to that now, you know, you look, you're looking pretty festive though. Well, yeah, I don't know if, if you're watching the video podcast, you saw I asked Kevin a question and then before the camera cut back to him, I walked off screen. <laughs> and uh, when I did that, I was getting a Santa hat and I put it on because I love a Santa hat. I love to wear one. And uh, there's only a good month and a half that you can really get away with wearing one. I think they got to bring this hat back as like just a normal standard hat. You know, I think at least. I, I think, think it, you should it's be a good the change hat. that you want there to be in the world. You should just start wearing that just unironically every day. Yeah, I just know that people are going to comment it on it, and I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. I already wear a mask everywhere I go. I'm wearing a mask, and people are like, "Why are you wearing a mask?" I'm like, "Shut the fuck up." Uh, so, is what I maybe that would just give you a new question people asked you then. 
why are you wearing a hey why is santa wearing a mask it's like because i gotta visit all the world's children's you dumb bitch as <laughs> millions of kids or something i, I you don't want to get co- i guess he doesn't really visit the kids whatever this is all falling apart but the santa hat it's a good looking hat santa costumes are good red with the white fluffy trim is like a good look that could i think be just a more seasonal look you know um yeah i don't know next time you go out for a long walk somewhere i think you should try the hat and just see what happens yeah there was actually a santa run today in the park this morning and i was like man because the thing is i looked at the hat before i left but i was like i'm just gonna go exercise i don't want to wear like a hat to go on a hike or something then i get to the fucking park and there's a bunch of santas everywhere well there's a bunch of people with santa hats and coats that's about as far as it went and i was like fuck man i could probably just sneak in if i had my santa hat i could just like just start going with these people um but i didn't um i slunk away like a fucking a defeated loser which i was in that moment but well, that, uh, that's why you should have worn the hat yeah i, I think I you just proved it right there that's the thing it's like i gotta i gotta uh, i don't know so i got my friends some cookbooks for for christmas i uh i gotta get you something kevin what if you buy yourself something and say it's for me does that all right like I do that. yes i don't know because uh, kevin you know he's a man of specific tastes and his tastes are uh you know making weird podcasts for people so i don't know what you get for someone that does that <laughs> I you don't know either. i could get you what if i got you rob schraub's happiness does that that seems like something you would want right i mean i'd want to give it back to him i think but yes that would be a great gift that's what makes it such a good gift it's easy to re-gift um to <laughs> Schraub at least uh but yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if there's anyone else that i gotta get christmas presents for because i bought those books and i was like i think this is it i don't i don't know um but you know whatever uh i went to this holiday party um so i don't know i haven't talked about it very much right but i have a job um well i'm had i had a job i don't know it's ending uh i have i work monday tuesday and then it's done the job is done because it's freelance and in theory there will be more work uh next year you know who knows when but um i don't know it's just a reminder of how much a piece of shit i am i don't know um so like when i started the job i was like okay this is gonna be a limited time thing and so i'm not gonna not that i'm not gonna be friendly or whatever but i'm not gonna make friends like i'm not gonna like go into this and if people are like oh we're getting lunch do you want to come i'm like no i'm not gonna come it's just like well it doesn't matter like these are strangers i'll be out of here in like a month and um so yeah but over time i don't know we got kind of friendly and stuff and then um and then i was like man this sucks that the job is ending you know it's a bummer um because these other people they're not freelance well some of them are but a lot of them aren't freelance so they're gonna keep working and then i'll just be gone you know and um that's a bummer It, it made me feel like disposable you know I mean, that's the thing is all corporations and jobs, they treat you as kind of disposable and stuff, but it just kind of like was hitting me. It's like, wow, this is the nothing. This doesn't matter. I'm not like a person. 
uh, I'll just be like another person who came and went to them, which probably happens a lot because this job, I think, has a decent turnover and people go on to get other more permanent jobs and don't come back and stuff. You know, there is a person here that they were working uh, my same position um, and they were working because of the strike, but then the strike ended. So the shows started back up. So they went back to like working on crews and stuff. And so there's probably people like that. And I was like, man, it's just, you know, whatever. And so that all kind of felt like it was coming to a head at the holiday party, just because that's just where my mind was at. And it's like, this is a holiday party of all these people that have these jobs that are like secure in their jobs. And there's a bunch of people. Like I only saw, I don't know, maybe 10, generously 10 different people at work who worked in kind of my area. But the party had like 150 people or something. So there's all these people. Um, and and then, you know, uh, and so it was like, man, I'm just like, I'm nothing. I don't know any of these people. They don't know me. The party was disco themed. And I guess I wanted to leave like a good visual impression as like a cool guy at parties, if that makes sense. Not a cool guy, but, you know. It was a disco theme party, so I was like, oh, I should do it. Normally, my instinct is not to do anything, um, you know, just show up normal. And, uh, you know, but I was like, let's just let's just try. So uh, my first thought was, since it's a disco party, I wanted to get a big disco ball and put it over my head um, with, like, some sort of visor or something to see out of. But it's just it would be me in my normal clothes, you know, my red plaid jacket and stuff, but just with a big disco head. And I thought that would be really cool. But I, uh, I didn't think of that until it was going to be – if I ordered it online, it would be pretty close to the day. And if there are shipping delays, which, you know, now we're getting to the holidays, I was like, I don't want to throw down money for a disco ball that doesn't arrive or it arrives damaged or something, you know, whatever. And so then I started searching on Facebook Marketplace and I found someone in Burbank who was selling a disco ball. And he was like, yeah, I even have this broken disco ball. I'll throw it in for free if you buy a disco ball. And I was like, great. And then he never contacted me again. (laughs) I was like, God damn it. And so, yeah. So then I was just like, okay, I'm not going to do anything. Um, But then either the day of or the night before, I think it was the day of. I was like, well, this is LA. It's like a major city. It's not like as fashionable as like New York per se, but you know, there's, there's, there's fashion in the city. There's like a garment district and stuff. There's gotta be like a place that sells like disco clothes or something. So I did some light Googling. I found, um, place called iguana trading company i think it's like a vintage clothes store and i went there and i spent about an hour really trying hard because first of all nothing fit me and second of all like i had a pretty specific kind of disco maybe not even a disco look but a kind of 70s look i wanted to go for and i found the jacket it was like a brown corduroy jacket and uh or coat yeah brown corduroy coat and i got and i was looking for like some kind of like burnt orange kind of dark pattern kind of disco shirt and there was one but it didn't fit me and so then i found another color disco shirt that fit me and then i was looking for like pants that would match i basically took all the time they 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 closed like in an hour after i got there i spent like the whole hour trying to really put something nice together and it didn't you know whatever it uh you know I do, well, we won't post a picture because no one cares, but I did put the look together 
I had these black polyester bell bottoms that were like stretchy costume kind of clothing. The disco shirt also seemed kind of like costume clothing, but it had kind of a loud, uh, like green and blue and white and yellow and brown kind of swirly pattern. Um, I had the brown uh, corduroy thing because I wanted like matching pants, but there was no matching pants that fit me um, with the with the coat. And uh, so, and then what else? Um, the pants didn't have pockets, so I got a purple fuzzy uh, fanny pack to put my shit in. And so I had a purple fuzzy pan- fanny pack. I had like a golden um, peace sign necklace um i was wearing a mask because i always wear a mask and so i duct taped a crude peace sign over the top of the mask so it's like it looked kind of like a peace sign and i uh i had my hair down and uh i i found a scarf at fucking rite aid and so i tied the scarf around my head kind of like a, a little bit like a bandana um but yeah so this is probably more effort I'd put into any costume look or something in 20 plus years. <laughs> and it wasn't that much. It was just, you know, I was just like trying to really disco out. Um, and so I went to the party and like the party was mostly people that just had a loud shirt. It was like they had slacks and like a loud shirt. <laughs> There's definitely people who weren't wearing anything uh, special. Um, but whatever. So I was like the most overdressed kind of person, but I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I went to the party. I didn't find anyone to talk to for like 20 minutes. And then later I found the people that I know from the kind of the, you know, one of the 10 people that I know, I found like a group of those people and we hung out on the roof for a little bit. And my brain was just not working. Another thing is on Tuesday, before the party, there was like an alcohol mixer because like one of the big wigs was coming to the office and he wanted to like talk to people. So like they had like for an, for two hours towards the end of the workday, they just like turned the kitchen into like a party zone. And so like I was talking with all the same people before and I feel like the things I was thinking about saying like at a party, like I just got all of that out at the, at the mixer. And so then by the time the actual party comes through, um, I, uh, I didn't have anything to say. So I was at the party. I was in this group, but no one was like talking to me. And uh, I couldn't think of anything to say. And then so I was like, I'm going to go get a drink. And then I left <laughs> like, about, like 20 minutes after actually finding my, my people. And then I was like, okay, this sucks. I hate myself. Um, I'm never going to see any of these people again. Um, I look stupid, you know, <laughs> and then I went back to get my car from the uh, valet and there was no one at the valet stand. So I was just standing around holding a ticket, waiting for a valet to come. And then three guys showed up and, um, I was holding out my ticket and in case those were the guys, but it didn't seem like they were, but over time I realized that these were the guys. And then I was like, well, maybe they're on break or something. And then a car came up and then they valeted that guy's car. And then so I was like, okay, I guess I'll wait for them to valet the car. And then like two more cars came up and they valeted those. And then after they were done valeting like three cars, I was like, hey, can I get my car? And the guy was like, you're supposed to show us the ticket. And I was like, yeah, but no one was here when I got here. And they were like, we were here. 
And I was like, no, you weren't. I got here and look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's all fine. I just would like my car, you know? And so, uh, you know, eventually a different guy that wasn't one of those three guys ended up getting my car and I tipped him, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was just, it was a perfect end to a perfect, terrible party. And I was like, man, I hate parties. I hate this sucks. Uh, but you know, at least I'll never see those people again, (laughs) except I probably will. If I get more freelance work from them in the new year, you know, assuming no writerly stuff pops off, which is a low possibility, not unlike winning the lottery, but, um, you know, so that's what's up. You must go to parties. Do, do, Do you have work parties ever? Never, no. We're wow. the the company I worked with is so spread out that it's years in between us seeing each other. Usually, it's a it's a global company, if you will. It Maybe is multinational or national. Yeah, so we don't really do the big parties. Like we we tried to a long time ago, just once a year, did everyone together, just once a year to to all meet up, but it just became impossible. You know, too many people couldn't. There was no weekend that worked for everybody. And then it became the point of like, we couldn't find a restaurant big enough for all of us to get together and stuff like that. So we just stopped doing it. Yeah. And it would suck to travel for a work party. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And then also being the the few people that don't go feel so left out then too. Yeah. So we just stopped doing it. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. The thing is there was a while that I was dreading it. And then I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. And then as I got to like, know the people more, I was like, Hey, it actually could be fun. And then it happened. And I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have got my hopes up. Like everything in my life, never get your hopes up. It's always a bummer. Um, man. Okay. So there's this new Miyazaki movie that came out. I just saw it today. Um, in the morning screening, it's called the boy and the heron. Um, it's in limited release in LA and New York. It's not playing by you. Is it? Have you seen commercials or anything? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it was only New York and LA and it seems like that was kind of recent. Like it wasn't going to come out here at all. And then they did a limited release, but I really liked it. Um, I haven't seen all of the Miyazaki movies and I haven't seen some of the big ones. Like, I don't think I've seen Nausicaa. I haven't seen Ponyo. But um, it's got to be like one of my favorites, absolutely. Um, and I heard someone else I know saw it, and they said that it wasn't one of their favorites. They didn't say they hated it or anything, but I, I don't know. I just really liked it. It's uh, Miyazaki's last movie. Um, they just did the episode on it on on Blank Check, which is a great podcast, much better than this. Um, you should listen to that. Even if you don't like movies, which I'm not even a huge movie fan, but I think Blank Check is uh, really good. And I don't see like any of the movies they talk about, but I still really uh, enjoy it. But um, yeah, their podcast came on and it was like The Boy and the Heron. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good episode. And I was like, wait a second. I should watch this. I shouldn't just listen to the podcast. I should watch this movie. And so I went and I saw it and then I listened to the podcast and it's interesting. Like it's uh it's Miyazaki's last movie and it's like something he said, which he said before, but he said it again and he's pretty old these days. So who knows? But like it, it's, it's really interesting. It's, you know, I don't know. Miyazaki movies are weird because 
this happens sometimes in like Japanese storytelling, but there's not really a traditional hero's journey at all. Um, and usually the ending, they talk about this in the podcast, but usually the ending doesn't like happen as a result of anyone's actions. Like, uh, I don't know, like in Howl's Moving Castle, they kind of like, they need something. I can't remember what exactly they need, but they need something. So they have to go to like the queen or something to get her to help them or to get her to stop doing war or something like that. And then they like go there and then some unrelated shit just goes down when they're, when they're in like the court of the queen or whatever. And that shit like ends the movie, but it's not like it wasn't set up in any way. It's not like they caused the shit. Like it just like some shit happens and then the movie ends. Like and a lot of the, a lot of the movies are kind of like that and it's interesting. You know, they don't and, and so I don't know. It has this I'm not as I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of channeling Dan a little bit, but it, they feel like movies where just a bunch of shit happens. But I'm not complaining. It just makes them hard to follow. Like uh, Spirited Away is like that too. Like she she goes through and then she's like trapped as uh, in the ghost world and then they're like you don't have your name this lady took your name and then she's like okay i gotta learn how to work at a bathhouse and then they get a bath guest and then she saves the bath guest because it turns out to be a river and then this guy no face that she was nice to no face goes crazy and then the and then you know uh, she runs away from no face and then no face goes away like she stands up to no face and then like she has to go somewhere else to get a magic charm or something and she goes and gets it and then she comes back and then like the bad guys like okay it's time for a contest if you could pick out your parents you win and then she's like oh it's those ones and then her parents come back and it's like none of that connected to anything like it was all just a bunch of random fucking shit but you're not necessarily complaining it's really compelling and interesting and visually stunning and stuff you know but it's just it's interesting yeah they're interesting and so the boy the heron was definitely the same way but I don't know. Um, it, they were talking on the podcast about how, like, like Miyazaki didn't even know what the movie was about, The Boy and the Heron, as he was making it. But it was, I don't know. I think, like, my my takeaway, and they ta- this was my takeaway before, but they kind of got into this a little bit. But it's kind of, it, it, like, has to do, it's, there's elements of it that are, like, autobiographical that I didn't pick up on. I'm not super sure exactly how that all plays out. Because the kid is supposed to be, like, Miyazaki, if, that, if that's the metaphor you're going with. But also, like, it's like, it's like there's metaphors to the creative practice or whatever like he goes into like this this other like spirit world or something like that and then there's these things called the warawara and they feed him fish guts and then the warawara like float into the sky and then they're like oh they're floating into the sky and someone's like yeah that's where they go to be born into the world and you're sort of like okay so those are like fetus souls or something and then like a bunch of pelicans show up and they start like eating the eating the the warawara and then like someone starts shooting fireworks at the pelicans and the pelicans scatter but also the pelicans are lighting the warawara on fire and it's like what the fuck's going on but it feels like to me at least the warawara are like our ideas or creative uh works or creative elements that like you know you feed them and they fed them fish guts so it's like you kind of go fishing i feel like uh like writing is kind of like fishing you're casting about in this like deep dark like unknown and then you're pulling things out and looking at them and it's like is this it is that it is that it you know and eventually you feed those to like these pure creative ideas and they start to like go up in the air and then you critique it 
or other people critique it or people you're collaborating fuck it up or they critique or people you're collaborating with like say like that's a bad idea or just people in general not in the creative progress or process like mess with you and give you self-doubt and stuff and that like destroys the warawara and then so you can try and like deal with those things but doing that also changes the warawara it also destroys and, and and destroys some of them you know so it's like those pure creative ideas don't always come intact to the surface because there's all these outside elements. And then, you know, later there's these giant parakeet men who are kind of like the bad guys for the back half of the movie and they're destroying stuff. And they felt to me like they were like either network people or just the audience, whereas they're like driven to consume and destroy and they're stupid and like it's they're easy to trick. But like, that's like at the end of the day, like, like they're everywhere and you have to like involve them in the creative process. Otherwise it's like, what are you doing? And I don't know. It was just, it was just really, and then at the end, like there's there's a guy and he's like oh you have to take these blocks and he's like stacking these blocks into a tower and it's like oh and you you get to take one extra piece and add that to the tower and now you're gonna stack the tower for me and it's like it's kind of like oh you know he's like i'm gonna die what am i leaving the world i'm gonna leave elements and then they're gonna add their own elements and they're gonna get to make their own stuff i don't know it just felt like really interesting i i don't know uh I was really confused for most of the movie because, again, I don't necessarily think they're really about anything specific. Like, I think there's themes, but it's not like the themes really bear out to this really uh, consistent, well-defined, concrete message, you know? Um, but I just, I was pretty confused. And then at the very end, like, when everything was, uh, you know, climaxing and stuff, I just started crying. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like the best movie ever. <laughs> Which I don't think it's necessarily the best movie ever, but I really, I, I really like it a lot. I don't think necessarily everyone's going to have that same takeaway, but it did feel like without actually having like a consistent message or anything, it felt like, like this kind of dreamlike look into what it means to like be creative and also just like what it means to go through trials and to live your life and come out of various points of your life and look back on that and be all like, man. That was part of my life. I guess I'm going to do this now. Or, you know, and you just, I don't know, like, you know, maybe if you like before you were having kids or when you have kids and then they move out of the house or something, you know, like ending an era, which again, it's his final movie. He's transitioning hypothetically out to, out to, you know, whatever, uh, not doing stuff. Or maybe he's thinking about his life in general as someone who's going to die, you know, but it just like, uh, I don't know. It just was really good. It was really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Ugh. You like uh, Miyazaki? <laughs> I've seen so little of, of his stuff that I, I it's one of the things that I, I really want to, to get more into. I just haven't yet. Which but ones have your, you seen? Your description there kind of just sold me on it. I think maybe that's what I'll do tonight. I think it's good if you can find it. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what ones have you seen? I can't even remember now because I watch so many movies where like I'm doing something else at the same time mm -hmm. that I kind of I'm not really paying enough attention. None of it really absorbs into it. So let's say none. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think most people have seen like the the most uh, seen one, I think, is probably Spirited Away, which is one of the good ones. It's really visually good and interesting. Um, for a while, they were on HBO Max, but uh, they got taken out for uh, like, yeah, they got taken out with uh all the purging i actually think they left way before all the zaslav nonsense and stuff but they're interesting um again like they're not about 
anything per se but they are i mean there's themes of like modernizations versus like kind of the old ways like nature versus civilization and stuff is like a recurring theme but you know i just think they're they're really cool and visual and interesting um and you know i like anime and stuff and anime is similar sometimes although anime generally has a much stronger story structure even though it's a much different story structure but yeah what else um elon musk moving on (laughs) uh yeah i don't know i don't know well we got a bunch of emails to read we got snacks to eat i got i got i got issues you know What what are your issues now we got to spin the wheel of whether we eat a snack, answer an email. We did go back and forth. An issue. Yeah. Um, you, you got any snacks? Do you want to grab a snack? All right. And, I'll grab a snack. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and match your snack. It's, that's right, folks. It's time for the smack snack match. The smack snack match where we smack each other using snacks in a match. Oh, yeah. Bam, 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 bam. All right, so I've grabbed two lays here. I grabbed the gold-looking one. It looks like it's, I don't know, some kind of baked it's beef something. Wellington. Beef Wellington. I said I'm wondering. And then there's Mexican chicken tomato. Okay, keep talking so I can find these. All right. So, yeah, this one was, I thought it was supposed to be beef Wellington, but I'm not really sure. But it looks very fancy because, like, it's a gold, uh, like, shiny gold bag of lays with some kind of like a royal blue background. A picture of some beef Wellington. I think there's some champagne on there too. That's maybe definitely a bit. beef Wellington, right? This picture. That's that's. I, I think it has that. to be, doesn't it? I don't know. I think it's beef Wellington. Oh, is there is champagne. I didn't notice that. Yeah, there's champagne in there. There's. Uh, yeah. Okay. So on the back, it does say Wellington steak flavor. <laughs> okay. And wait, where does whatever? Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. And it's a spring limited edition, and we're in. December. We're in fall now. Yeah. <laughs> We're in winter, like, maybe. Winter. <laughs> yeah. But hey, okay, so let's pop this open. Okay. You can hear mine because I don't have crisp, but you shouldn't be able to hear Kevin's because he has crisp. It smells, the first smell I got was a pretty weird smell, but then oh. it started smelling more normal. It kind of, I gotta be honest, kind of smells like, like dog food or cat food, maybe a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of the first whiff I got, but then I smelled it a couple more times. It smelled just more like vegetables or something. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> what a yeah, great I got to be honest with you. This this smells like like dog food. Yeah. Well, you know, you win some, okay. you lose some. Yeah. All right. You, you know, go first. Little... All right. So Spencer's trying it. He mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be offended. Oh, he's eating a second bite. He doesn't seem to be too mad at this. Yeah. Uh. Well. You try it, and then I'll give you my thoughts. All right. All I'll right. tell you this. I don't think it really tastes like Beef Wellington. Well, I don't know if I've ever had Beef Wellington. Now, Kevin is trying it. He's going pretty slow, cocking his head, cocking his head, giving it some thought. You know? That's more or less it, what Kevin's doing. <laughs> it does kind of have a steak flavor, but like with some kind of sauce on it, I think. Mm-hmm. But it tastes Didn't like he... some kind of like Go ahead. ground pepper kind of sauce more than the steak itself. Mm-hmm. To me, it tastes like beef stew. Yeah, yeah. 
which not bad. I mean, I kind of like it. I like it. It just it smells much like dog food. Oh my god! Like I can yeah. still smell it from here. At the end of the day, it's chips. You know, it is. It is. It just. It's not. It smells like like moist and meaty brand little cans of dog food that you, like as soon as you crack the the, the can open and that is exactly the smell that comes out yeah i wouldn't say it's particularly salty it's not unsalty but it's not like if you get regular lays potato chips those are way saltier but it's got some salt and it's got this kind of beef stew kind of taste and that's you know not a bad thing to put on a potato potatoes go with beef you know so it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not terrible. Bad. No. Yeah. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Well, I got to imagine I'm going to like it more than this next one. I already had yeah. half a pizza today. I can't be eating chips. So, okay. So, you want to try the next one now? Yeah. All right. Mexican so, this chicken is supposed tomato. to be Mexican chicken tomato. I'm not really sure what Mexican chicken tomato is. There's no chicken on this package. There's no, potatoes, it's just tomatoes. Potato chips, yeah. tomatoes, and this un. I guess maybe that's chicken broth. There's like a circle with a yellow circle, and the yellow circle has like sweat drops, kind of like moisture drops. So maybe that's a extreme top down view of like a cup of soup or something. I, I look at that too. I don't know what that's supposed to be. I thought that yeah. It's not well. Right. It's not tomato, and it's not. Mexico, so it's gonna be chicken. It doesn't, thick. it doesn't really smell like anything. Try it. it. Smells a little stale, maybe. Yeah, but like compared to the other one that just blasted you with with scent, this doesn't really. This has like if I smell the chip, there's just nothing there, yeah. or I have COVID. But one of the two. either way, I'm seeing a yeah. date that says 2023 <laughs> so okay. it's maybe a bit stale. But it's it's also just like that's more of a best if used by date. So that yeah. could explain the smell. Because a lot of times that's like the date by which it starts smelling less extreme, like the flavor. Yeah. You know? That's why they put the date on. All right. Um, I'm, you want to go one. first? All right. Sure. Kevin is eating. Oh, he's throwing up. Oh, my God. It's getting everywhere. <laughs> it actually tastes oh, kind no. of like ketchup. Like a sweeter ketchup mm -hmm. with like an aftertone of like chicken bouillon a little bit. So Spencer's trying it. He seems to be really kind of enjoying this one. I'm going to say it's sweet ketchup is, is my my best take on it. Spencer's trying some more. He seems to really no, be going for I went back for the beef longton. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I think I like it more than the beef wellington. That's what I wanted to test um yeah sweet ketchup i don't really like ketchup ketchup is a stronger flavor i think to me it tastes more like a sweet tomato if that makes sense i mean the difference between ketchup and tomato is pretty mild or whatever but to me it definitely rings a bit more like a sweet tomato sort of thing i'm really not getting chicken off of it at all let alone mexico no i don't think mexico it's just like this aftertaste of i don't know there's, there's there's an aftertaste that comes after the tomato that's sort of meaty a little bit or brothy or something, but it's not. I would never have gotten Mexican off of this. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm really not getting any chicken or anything. I, it's just it just kind of tastes like tomato. Um, honestly, pretty pretty good. I definitely like these more than ketchup chips. I'm not a big ketchup chip fan. Yeah, I think ketchup fit chips are like salt and vinegar chips with a little bullshit on top, and it's like just give me salt and vinegar. Like they t- they taste kind of like they they do that a better job, you know. But man, I want to eat all of these. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, many... I'll give these both. You know, I don't know. I think I'd probably give the tomato one like a B, and the beef Wellington maybe a C. Yeah, like if I had to like tier list these. Yeah, when you have the beef Wellington after the tomato, it really doesn't taste like much of anything. It's just kind of plain. Um. Yeah, B and C sounds right. It's kind of interesting, you know. Like chips are always all air and stuff, you know. But these, there are very little chips. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bad. big bad for how little chips there is in there. Yeah. Um, the beef Wellington has sixty grams of chips in it, and the uh, the other one has seventy grams of chips. So it's a very small amount. But hey. That was good. I liked eating that. Ugh. We gotta figure something out. We can't. I can't keep doing podcasts like this, which is just nothing. Nothing. But hey. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay. Uh, You know, well, it's your fault for watching it or whatever. I don't know. Oh, anyway, speaking of we're... watching, that's something we can talk about. We're in we're in Spotify video now. Oh yes, and you can watch us eat these chips. Oh boy, wouldn't that be good? Yep, just use the Spotify app in your phone or laptop or wherever you watch Spotify from, and then if you're actually watching it, it'll switch to video, and you can actually see us doing this. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I can get into that. Well, what a better way to enjoy our podcast with the magic of Spotify. Check out your Spotify wrapped. It's going to be all like, oh, I watched uh, That Happens once. And the rest was Billie Eilish or whatever. Uh, let's just do fucking emails. Uh, man, these have been bad lately. Not the emails, the podcasts. Anyway, Brian writes. You know, we were talking about, uh, this isn't what Brian wrote, but we were talking about food service stories, uh, customer service brain rot was the thing I was talking about on TikTok recently. Um, So this email seems to be about that. Brian writes, I was at Hardee's and there was this extremely impatient customer in the store. He ordered a superstar burger, no combo, then proceeded to pace back and forth by the counter waiting for his food. When the to-go bag came, he snatched it and rushed out the door. About two seconds later, he rushed back in, the burger unwrapped in his hand, and yelled, $5 for this? And threw the burger at the cashier, and the burger exploded against the wall. Then he stomped out cussing. Needless to say, we were all stunned. Brian. Well, that's customer service. It's interesting. I wonder, has that guy not been to fucking Hardee's before? Because... I've been to Hardee's quite a I I don't go there lately. I mean, it's, it's it kind of sucks. Also, over here, it's called Carl's Jr., but I think they're mostly the same. But um, Hardee's, they've been going downhill for a long time now, and um, I've gone there a lot. 
They're expensive. They've always been expensive. They used to do the $6 burger, and they don't call it that anymore because now it's like $10. (laughs) But they called it the $6 burger because for $6, you get a burger. Wait, no. Was that? I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm confused. It was either... It was called the $6 burger because this is what a $6 burger at a restaurant was. No, I don't think it was that. I think for $6, you can get a burger at a restaurant that costs like $10 to $15. Can you look this up, actually? Because I got to understand how bad inflation has got. Like, uh, why was it called the $6 burger at Carl's Jr. or something to that effect? Hey, maybe ChatGPT knows. Um, But, you know, Google's probably better. (laughs) But... They were also always one of the slower places in my experience. So, yeah, so you wouldn't the, go sorry, there. The $6 oh. burger actually cost $3.95, but they called it the $6 burger because it's the minimum you would expect to pay for something similar at a casual dining restaurant. You see, kids, back in my day, when you went to a sit-down restaurant, you could get a nice, fancy restaurant burger for $6. <laughs> Let that sink in. Man, the world is so fucked. I mean, you know, inflation is a thing. Things are always going to inflate, and we're always going to be like, man, you know, like my parents were like, back in my day, you could buy a whole king-size candy bar for a nickel, and I was like, shut up, you know, and now that's me with the fucking $6 burger, and now they call it the thick thick burger because you can't, you know, whatever, whatever, man, what a depressing, I hate everything, man, this sucks, what a bad world. What's going to happen to Palestine, dude? They're just all going to die. Like, it's not going to stop, is it? Like, how's it going to stop? No one's stopping them. I, I, I don't see a happy resolution for everybody in this situation. Yeah, it seems it seems really bad. <laughs> I don't... I don't know. It's, it's not good. Uh, Jack writes, Hi, Spencer. I hope you are well. I've written and rewritten this email multiple times as there are so many things I would like to ask you about or suggest as topics of conversation. But for now, I'll try to keep my best to keep it shortish and Swedish. I mean, uh, whatever. My name is Jack. I'm a Scottish support worker slash illustrator. I've been a big fan of yours since the Harmontown days, and I love that it happens very much. I'm a lifelong internet lurker and have parasocial relationships with various podcasters and YouTubers, yourself included. I know the feeling, buddy. I've never reached out to anyone like this before or engaged with an online community in any way. Man, you got to engage with online communities. That's like almost like having a friend. That has now changed because I'm trying to be more vulnerable and interactive with things I love. I've had a lot of personal growth in the past two years when it comes to my mental and physical health. Listening to your takes on things has definitely helped along the way, though I don't want to undersell how important it was for me to start therapy. Additionally, I started writing down my dreams in a journal right around the same time as you started asking to interpret dreams, which seemed like a great reason to get in touch. With all that out of the way, Jesus Christ, can you interpret my dream, please? The following is one of the more memorable dreams I had roughly a month ago. I was in an Airbnb with the main cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We were just about to leave, so we were packing away our things and chatting. I was going around the rooms checking if we had had left anything. I walked into a small bedroom, and Charlie was there smashing ornate vases from a large set of shelves filled with vases. 
He seemed very angry, but I couldn't talk to him for some reason. Continuing through some doors, I ended up in a kind of haunted house filled with spider webs, old crates, and junk. There I bumped into one of the adults with additional needs who I support regularly. He was very happily squealing and started running away from me, so I chased him through the house. I followed him to into a room full of teeth, as in, my entire vision was obscured by large teeth. It wasn't scary, though. They were almost like baby teeth, and I felt like I was being very softly chewed. Then I woke up. I have plenty more thoughts, ideas, and dreams that I would love to share with you. I might do that in a future email. Keep doing what you're doing. Big love, Jack. P.S. Fuck Jeff. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm going to have to look some stuff up to do a good job with this. Do you want to um, say anything? I guess uh, not, huh? Well, <laughs> well you're going to have to. The, the, okay. I mean, there, there was a lot there. Um, yeah. I mean the 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 smashing ornate vases thing kind of feels like just the, the the need to destroy something beautiful, you know, like like interesting starting fresh, starting like getting getting rid of the things that you're you're held onto for too long, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know nothing about this. I'm just literally making this up as I'm going along. But like sure that and like you know going into the room full of baby teeth kind of feels like you're being reborn. You're being you know like I, I feel like there's a lot of wanting to start over in this. Um maybe kind of you know things haven't gone the way you wanted not necessarily things have gone badly but things are not necessarily going the, the way you've planned so you you've got this this need to want to to just do things differently you know go do things around a different way this time um i don't know does that does that make any sense spencer it definitely or am i just sense. completely making stuff off stuff well up? it's that too right um so I, I, I'm actually like the thing about, so the first thing I was looking into is hotel because Airbnb strikes me as a modern version of a hotel and hotels are pretty symbolic in dreams. Generally, um, they're, they're a pretty common symbol that you have a lot. Um, the thing is, while almost every time I can find hotel and their symbology and I have uh, in my head, I think I know what it means, but looking into it, I'm not finding anything. Uh, well, I'm not finding the stuff that I normally associate with hotels. And one of the websites that I go to a lot for dream uh, symbols is not does not have it. So my understanding of hotels is they uh, relate to being in a transition. Um, like a hotel is somewhere that you go when you're going places in life. Um, they, you know, either you're on a vacation or you're traveling to see someone or whatever, or, you know, you're just somewhere you aren't normal. Maybe you're on a business trip or something, you know, but because of that, I guess is like the idea that hotels are about transition. Um, I think it's always sunny. Um, a lot of a big part of dream interpretation, as far as I'm concerned is, um, trying to split off things that are recombined images because a big part of dreams is recombining images that you've seen in your daily life. So trying to separate that from things that actually feel symbolic, if that makes sense. So the, it's always sunny cast. I don't think really has any strong meaning specifically in and of itself. I think those are just people like those are, and people can mean various things depending on what they're doing. Um, I think, you know, 
if you're checking if we have anything, that seems like you're dwelling on this place of transition. If a hotel room represents transitions and you're checking around, making sure we left everything, that's like, you know, you making sure you're ready to move out of this stage and transition into whatever the next step for you is. And that could be, I think sometimes no, uh, I, I know some people have had dreams with that were about business hotels. And so I was like, oh, since it's a business hotel, that's like it's related to your professional life. But a general Airbnb, maybe it's more about since it's an Airbnb, maybe it's more about like your domestic life or you know, just your, your situation. Like if you're moving or if you've been thinking about moving to a house or just like where you are in general, like, uh, you know, your relationships with your family, stuff like that could just be related to something like that. Um, so vases is another thing I should be looking. I kind of just stopped looking up these symbols because I was talking, do you want to, so you were saying about something beautiful, (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the fact that there are these really ornate, fancy antique vases kind of made it seem like, you know, it was intentionally something opulent, something that, like, has lived a long time and wanting to destroy those, to me, feels like wanting to start over with things, like throwing away the past, you know, making something fresh, making something that isn't tied to history anymore, making your own thing, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, to, to me, that's, it just it seems like wanting a, a chance to just do things over again. Yeah, so... Um, uh, uh, the thing is nothing. I'm the, the big, another part about uh dream interpretation is it's kind of like cold. Uh, it's kind of like cold reading or it's actually more like hot reading. Whereas you're trying to get like the person you're interpreting to like, give you signals that you can kind of work together into your interpretation. Um, but I'm seeing stuff. I'm seeing, I'm seeing stuff that says, uh, vases refer to competition struggle being tested um and then also um personal things that you find value in beauty um also it can it can showcase your uh this is inner beauty personal development also seeing things that say feminine aspects like a feminine part of yourself feminine values or things that you associate with femininity um and if you're dreaming about a broken vase, you need to consider areas of life that seem to be falling apart and need mending. So, you know, in, in that light with, with Charlie breaking everything, it could be that you're worried about other people that are messing with stuff that you value. Like, for instance, if, uh, you know, if you really like playing D&D. And your parents are like, D&D stupid. You got to stop thinking about D&D. You know, I think that could be the kind of symbol that could be related to it, where it's this stuff that has value to you and other people are destroying it. It could also be more general, whereas there's aspects of your life that are vulnerable that not that other people are destroying, but you're just really worried about them falling apart. If there's anything stressful that you think like that you have that's about, uh, that you're worried is is not going to stay is going to fall apart is going to uh, not keep going you know i think that seems like a, a pretty solid thing um and not being able to talk to him kind of uh speaks to like a lack of agency in the situation so maybe it's something you feel like is out of control like uh for instance if um you know you're in debt or something uh, there's other stronger symbols for you know debt and and being out of money and stuff but but being in debt is like a situation that you're like man i just can't do anything about this right now you know stuff like that might also code with uh being unable to stop someone from smashing vases um 
And again, maybe it has to do with this transitional period. Like maybe you were enjoying it and it has to, it's like coming to an end and it's not what you want. It's something you want to stop. Or maybe it was going well and then it's, it's messing up somehow. It's like it was going well and then it started to fall apart. And you're like, fuck, man, this was, this was going good. Maybe it was something that you wanted to keep going and it realized, and you're starting to realize it was temporary, stuff like that. Um, a haunted house is kind of interesting. Houses in general represent the self, specifically the inner self. Um, you know, your interiority. Depending on what part of a house you're in, that can represent different parts of your subconscious or your past or whatever. But a haunted house itself, uh, with spider webs, crates, and old junk, that feels like it's your past. So that's really so you ended up in some aspect of your subconscious past, something that might be bothering you, something you haven't really thought about lately something you're worried about, um, you know, something that is coming in needing to be understood more about your past. Like, uh, you know, if you, if you had some weird things that you don't think about very often, and then every once in a while you go to a party and you're like, man, I'm a fucking loser, you know, something like that. And then you go, you start thinking back to when you were in the past and you went to parties and you felt like a loser, stuff like that might be symbolized by seeing like a bunch of old stuff in a, in a haunted house like that. It's like, man, I kind of thought I was over this, but I'm back in it. You know, it's like, but then I just, it, I realize I'm the same person, you know, some aspect of that that needs more inspection, uh, typically relates, uh, relates to, um, uh, the, the old, like, uh, like old stuff in a haunted house kind of thing. Um, bumping into one of the adults with additional needs who you support, re uh, regularly. I'm not super sure about how your job generally t looks, um, because, this could be recombined imagery it's it's seeing a coworker. it's seeing a coworker, you know squealing and running away sometimes you might have people with additional needs that that might act you know kind of childish or, or strange so that might not be super symbolic or it might have to do with um like uh i think the way he's acting the way it's written the thing is it's, it's better to be able to talk to people with this stuff to ask like questions um but the way it's written to me seems like he's acting kind of babyish or childish so i think that could like relate to like inner child shit and also babies and stuff relate to nurturing and vulnerability which kind of ties up with the vases a little bit so so maybe it's about some part of your past your inner child some some aspect of yourself that you're suppressing um and you can't really get a handle on if you're chasing them around through the house. Um, and then teeth is the last thing I should really look up, huh? Uh, the thing is, teeth are really symbolic, but they're symbolic in a lot of different ways. Um, teeth represent our ability to nourish ourselves and communicate. So nourishing yourself can relate to doing healthy things um doing stuff that you that that give you life you know taking a break meditating taking time for yourself focusing on your yourself self-care it can also sometimes represent um your ability to make money because if you think about it um food like teeth are how you eat food and um you know you need food to live and your relationship with money is sometimes similar where you need to like create uh money and consume money to stay alive so there are specific symbols that are related to money but i think sometimes money problems can manifest as uh you know teeth related issues and stuff being unable to eat but uh a room full of teeth is pretty interesting um 
I've never heard of that. I, I, I get a lot of teeth related dreams, so I've looked it up a lot. Um, but I haven't, uh, I haven't seen or looked up anything about, uh, like a room full of teeth, just a lot of teeth. Uh, why don't you ask uh, one of our chat GPT friends about dreaming about going into a room full of teeth? Okay. You want to do that? Let me do that right now. Chat GPT can sometimes give relatively vague um, dream interpretations the way I'm kind of doing. Uh, but uh, but uh, deeper meaning. Sometimes it can be literal illness, loss of power. Emotional disturbances, communication. Communication is another thing with teeth. But again, that usually relates to your teeth or sometimes there's stuff stuck in your mouth. Um, I have a lot of dreams where I'm pulling shit out of my mouth and that usually uh, codes for like not being able to say something that you want to talk about, not being able to bring up a problem with some, someone, something like that. Uh, uh, teeth can also have uh, positive meanings, including a new direction in life and re renewable renewal, feelings of assurance, contentment, and peace in the situation. And you said you were being very softly chewed. That's another thing where I'd want to dig into that because softly chewed can be like, oh, I'm being worn down. Or it can be like, oh, this isn't bothering me very much. I can kind of handle this, you know? So depending on the connotation, um, it can mean different things. Uh, Kevin posted something, so I'll read this. But last thing I want to touch on is that when a, when you interpret dreams, it's important to like understand your mental state in the dream. So it's like if you're seeing stuff and not having really strong reactions, that means different than if you're having strong reactions to seeing things. Like if you're in the teeth room and you're feeling really scared, that means something different than feeling, you know, kind of non-bothered or something, you know. And then also a lot of times your desires in dreams uh also kind of code symbolically onto those things so like if charlie was breaking the vases and you wanted him to stop that would mean a different thing than if he was breaking the vases and you wanted him to keep going or you wanted to also break the vases or something you know so the things that you want in a dream are kind of important and also um like the, the, I, I read this recent book about or a book recently about dream interpretation that added like a new layer and it's like what would you want to change in the dream so again with charlie breaking the vases probably what you'd want to change is you want him to stop breaking the vases you know and so I'm, I'm curious about the teeth room if you were being softly chewed did you want to stop yourself from being softly chewed or was it fine you know so you know if we were having a conversation i would i would probably be asking questions like that because that could give you new insight especially in the teeth which i think is kind of a vague symbol in this cir circumstance like i think understanding like how you're feeling and what you wanted to be different in that circumstance might might give me more insight if that makes sense anyway kevin uh, wrote anxiety or stress Teeth and dreams are often associated with anxiety or stress, particularly if they're falling out. A room full of teeth might amplify the symbolism, suggesting you're feeling overwhelmed by stressors in your life. I think that's decent, but also it's just kind of like Chad GBT. Um, there are symbols of growth and change. As we lose our baby teeth and grow full adult teeth, a room full of teeth might represent a period of transition, communication issues. Maybe you're finding it hard to express yourself. Yeah, this is more just general teeth. Like it didn't actually have um, any strong yeah, health concerns. Sometimes when you have dreams about teeth falling out, it's like literally you have tooth pain in your waking life or something. And so then you dream about your teeth falling out. That's definitely something that can happen. So that's what it says. Appearance and self-image. 
That's interesting. That's one I haven't considered. That probably that I probably had dreams that are related to my appearance and self image as symbolized by teeth. A room full of teeth might indicate concerns about how they perceive you. That doesn't sound right. Loss or fear of aging. That seems reasonable. Like if you work with uh, additional needs adults, maybe like the fear of like things happening to you could manifest as like a room full of teeth. I could see that. Personal power and aggression. Teeth can also be sim- tools for biting. Um, uh, a desire to assert yourself more forcefully or powerlessness. That seems like it could map onto the dream you're describing. Anyway, um, so that's about as good as I can do. So the thing is, if you're having a conversation, you should, you, they can kind of pick up on this and they're like, oh, you know, transitional period. There is blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, oh, that makes sense. And then you can kind of build on that. But we don't have that. So interesting stuff. Uh, what else? Man, I love interpreting dreams. Hey, there's another one. Um, dream interpret interpretation jive baloney episode. Hey there, Spencer and Kevin. I'm behind on my podcast listening, but I'm currently listening to some jive baloney episode to the, some jive baloney episode. Spencer requested some dreams for him to ter- interpret. I have two specific locations that I've dreamed about repeatedly throughout my entire life, at least as King is a, as long as I can remember. Uh, one is a pond on the hillside of a hill on the side of a hill next to a road where pleasant dreams happen. I've been there with several different several different people throughout the years of dreaming of this place. We're generally having a picnic or just enjoying time, whatever at the pond. Never been anywhere never been to anywhere like it in my real life. The second location is an old mansion castle that was abandoned, but has mostly been refurbished. I've been here with different people for different reasons throughout my time of dreaming of it, but each time it verges on a nightmare because I always end up getting lost in the mazes and hallways of my and ballrooms throughout the mansion. Sometimes there's a water slide near the roof, and I could wait in a long line of people like an amusement park to try and go down and be able to leave. This also causes more anxiety because I'm not the biggest fan of water slides after having some bad experiences in my real life. Otherwise, the dream ends with still being lost in the halls of the mansion. Sometimes I'm also late to an event happening in some portion of the mansion because I can't find it. I once heard another podcast where a woman talked about having a full-on second life in her dream world, like had built relationships with the dream people, had jobs and all that. I wonder if you ever heard of this type of alternate reality type dreaming happening and if you had any recommendations on the meaning of my dreams slash dreams locations. I have heard of that. I don't, not specific enough to really have any opinions, but I've heard of that. I also have a recurring theme of dreams I have about my dead mom. Since she's died, the only dreams I've had with her in them are that she's alive but missing, either full-blown missing person, FBI-type shit, or I'm just separated from her in the grocery store. But I think this is pretty straightforward dead mom trauma dreaming. You mentioned about being a guest on the pod, but I love and I'd love that. But I'm just interested in interested in hearing your take on alternate realities being accessible through dreams. Thank you for the content you guys put out. Please never stop. Your ramblings are soothing, and you have an incredible vibe. Take care, um, Emily. Uh, so okay, uh, yeah, the dead mom thing. You know, yeah, that's pretty clear. Uh, alternate realities. Uh, so I heard this person talking about what is called reality shifting, just basically like dreaming and pretending mixed up. I'm not super sure, but I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think that to me feels like an outlier. I think some people can have really complicated, weird dreams. I don't think those are super symbolic. They're probably closer to like lucid dreaming sort of situations. Um, but I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. It's just, there's a lot of crazy people. I just heard a radio lab about this guy who can simultaneously imagine four separate symphonies at the same time. And it's like, most people can't do that, but he could. 
and they tested him with an MRI machine and stuff, and they figured out that he actually could do that. Whereas, and they also tested like a famous conductor, and the conductor like could not do like two. Um, so you know, the human mind's amazing. So I think that's more just like a human mind is amazing sort of thing. Um, so the pond on the side of a hill next to a road where pleasant dreams happen. Um, a road often symbolizes your life. I think just generally pleasant nature um, is is just kind of like a standard dream location. Also, I think that um, dreams often happen in in like recurring locations, and those can have meaning, and they can also not have a super strong meaning. Um, I'm trying to look up what a pond is. The thing about water is water usually symbolizes your life in some some sort of way. So I think like a dream about um about like this kind of natural place next to your light uh, next to your a uh, road with a pond in it, this kind of serene place. It just feels like a, a dream about being generally kind of healthy. Um yeah. Uh, but da, 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 but da, not really seeing anything specific about dreams other than just like, you know, they kind of can represent peace or tranquility, which kind of goes with what you're describing. So, yeah, I think those dreams are just kind of like maybe more related to the people that are in the dream and how you're interacting with them, but probably mostly positive slash neutral stuff. So that's, that's just kind of like a, a, a fairly vanilla dream. Um, the old mansion and castle, you know, again, like I, I think that tracks to houses, which is about your interiority. It's interesting that it's mostly refurbished. That to me speaks of like you've done work in your past, you know, to try and feel better, and it mostly works. Um, saying it verges on a nightmare is like parts, it strikes me as parts of, you know, your inner demons, traumas, stuff that you're dealing with that's causing a problem. Um, the higher up in the in the house you go the more it seems to relate to your like uh what do you call it? like your subconscious um also the 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 like the basement can be that but usually the basement is like re referencing your past as well but so maybe there's stuff that you're not super sure of that you're dwelling on um and then the water slide is kind of interesting just because like you want to get out of the house so you're kind of stuck in the house but it's scary. You have to go through this thing that you don't like, the water slide. And also there's a bunch of people in line. So it's like there's stuff that's blocking you from being able to do it. And it might be people. So it's like there's there's like uh like competition. There's there's things distracting you from, you know, doing the thing that you feel like you should do, even if it's uncomfortable, you know. So that's kind of interesting. Um, getting lost, you know, is is pretty typical, but it just means you're you're kind of like not sure about what you're having, um, like not sure what what you are inside. Um, so yeah, I mean that's super vague as well. But uh, yeah, let's put that through Chat GPT. Hold on. Uh, but we're almost out of time. Um. So Kevin, copy paste that into Chat GPT, I guess, and see. Uh, you'll actually have to tell it like, oh, it, sure. interpret a dream. A dream involves this location or something like that. You'll have to tweak it a little bit. But 
you know, we'll get ChatGPT's input, see if they can put anything together for me. I think it's a decent starting place just because what I do is I Google a bunch of the symbols and that's kind of what ChatGPT does. So if you use that as a baseline, sometimes it's kind of helpful, but oftentimes it tries to make very banal um, interpretations that I don't think like fit all the pieces of evidence, but yeah. Anyway, that's almost our show. Kevin is busy. Otherwise, I would ask him what's coming up next on the program. Um, all right. Let's see what ChatGPT is saying. Mansion Castle, symbol of the self, often represents the subconscious mind. It's old and refurbished nature. Might suggest aspects of your personality that are historic or foundational to your identity, aside newer developments or changes you've undergone. That's close to what I was saying. Being lost could symbolize feelings of confusion, uncertainty, or being overwhelmed. May reflect your internal state while navigating complex decisions. Um, the water slide and anxiety uh, could be represent a challenge or a situation in your life that you feel daunting or anxiety inducing. Um, the potential, uh, the long line could be a perceived need to conf- confront fears or take or confront fears or take risks to achieve a uh, to achieve a sense of liberation or resolution. Yeah, what's interesting is like you're stuck in the house and there's a way to get out of the house. So you're stuck in your self conscious or subconscious, and there ways there's a way to get out of your subconscious, but it's being blocked. So like there's stuff that's blocking you from making a breakthrough to get out of dwelling on your problems, dwelling on your your internal stuff, which is interesting. Being late to an event could inv- indicate a fear of uh, missing out or not meeting ex- expectations or being unprepared. Um, uh, but uh, there's different people. It could also represent social relationships. Yeah, that's kind of weak, but also kind of neutral and, and vague. So I don't think that's wrong. Uh, search for a way out uh, suge- suggests a desire for clarity, resolution, or an end for a per- of a particular phase in the challenge in your life. Kind of what I was saying. And uh, let's see, the refurbished state could could be symbolic of integrating past experiences with current changes in your life, highlighting a journey of personal growth. So I was kind of talking about that too. So I guess me and ChatGPT are in agreement, but hope that helps anyway if you have emails to send us that happens pod at gmail.com uh let us know your customer service stories let us know your dreams um let us know the emotional state you had in the dreams and the things you wish could have changed um if you want more stuff but yeah i've been appreciated we're we got to get through more emails but i appreciate people sending me uh them right now we have 14 emails that are unread so you can add to that number um yeah well that's basically all for me i don't even care about anything about my patreon you don't you shouldn't give me money i feel really bad it's all bad uh, give spencer money uh, don't it's patreon.com slash the sipsler um give him money don't do it and it will make spencer very happy look look at how happy he is right now look at how happy i am ho 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 Ho, 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 motherfucker. I'm still wearing the Santa hat if you're not watching the video. And if you are watching the video, you're doing it on Spotify's video episodes. Uh, maybe there will be ads in the future just inserted right into the middle of a sentence, just like Harmontown, the way you love it. <laughs> What's up, Kevin? What do you got going on? Um, coming up next is Apocalypse Then's um, Video Apocalypse, followed by the Tally Kazoo Show, followed by a premiere of a new episode of Action Explosion. Um, so we got a bunch of stuff on shrobhomevideo.com tonight. And if you're not watching this live, come check us out on Sundays at shrobhomevideo.com. 
Action Explosion. Now there's a good show. You know, I was talking to Erin the other day. She spends a lot of time editing that show. So you should check it out and give them money because that's a show where people put in effort. It is. As always, yeah, as always, we like to end the show the same way we do every week. So until next time. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>